glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can, of course, find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanatic and be on Twitter and my illustrious co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. We, of course, have a new co-host joining us today, which I'm excited to get into here in just a minute, so we're not going to stay long here in the introduction. Of course, there are a ton of other great podcasts on the network as well. Jim Day of the FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto of Series XM Fantasy Football, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guy, the IDT Tipster, Dwayne McFarlane and Blake Sullivan, and many other great podcasts, and you can find all of them on FullTimeFantasy.com. Check them out. We've got all of your fantasy info and content there. For today's episode, We are going to review the entire preseason week two games. We will preview the Monday night football game that is likely going to go on when you hear this or possibly obviously the day after, but we will preview some of our thoughts on it as the game will be starting here in just about an hour and a half. We will, of course, talk about all the breaking news with Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, among others. Cannot wait to get into it again. We have a new co-host joining us today, so let's just jump right in. Let's get Dennis in here, and then let's introduce the co-host that will be joining me throughout the season to talk a little fantasy football. And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us after a long weekend in Canton, Ohio. Dennis, how are you doing today, buddy? Man, I am still on a high from yesterday's expo. It was phenomenal. A bunch of great people there. Got to interact. I can't tell you how many times somebody came up and was like, you know, I love the show. You and Matt, I'm like, oh, well, I'm looking forward to September. Matt and I get to meet in person. And they're yeah. like, what? You guys have never met each other? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I keep telling everybody. They <clears throat> they ask, um, excuse me, they ask, and I'm like, yeah, we've actually never met in person. We've met all through through fantasy football and fantasy league. So it's going to be excited, exciting, and I can't wait to hear more about that in just a minute. However, I do want to introduce our other new co-host that will be joining me throughout the football season and hopefully even longer, and that is Mr. Matthew Fox. We've had him on before uh, talking about the AFC West and then obviously uh, the very popular um, Game of Thrones episodes. He was the one who jumped on with me. Huge movie guy as well. You can find him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. Matt, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me and Dennis today. Doing pretty good. Just uh, trying not to melt here at Colorado Springs. We set uh, some heat records today, which uh, is great for a town that's 50-50 on whether you have air conditioning. (laughs) How hot did it get? 
Uh, the last I looked, they said 95. Wow. Okay, so you guys are really getting up there. I know uh, some people, I'm sure know, if you follow me on Twitter and, and throughout the show, I've talked about my family lives in Colorado Springs as well. So um, I'm sure they're not that bothered with it, living in Texas for as long as they have. But, yeah, I can imagine 95 in Colorado. That's, a, that's actually only five degrees less than what it was here for a lot of today. So that is actually getting pretty hot up there. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, it's going to be uh, spectacular for the game tonight. Oh, it is in Denver. I forgot about that. I can't wait to have that. We will We will for sure, as I, I mentioned in the intro, break down the Monday Night Football game today. As also mentioned, Matthew is a huge Broncos fan, so I'm excited to get your breakdown of the game tonight. And, and on the team, uh, before we jump into any of the breaking news or anything like that, I do want to get into... The Midwest Expo, obviously, we've talked about it a whole lot lately. I kind of want to hit on that first. So, Dennis, just give us a recap of what it was like being up there, interacting with everybody, and then there's a, a, merchandise, a merchandise, if I can speak correctly, giveaway that you want to talk about as well. So, you know, we had our, I, I tweeted out a picture of our booth. Uh, you know, my wife manned the booth with me, uh, said he being gender insensitive. Uh, <laughs> No, she she was up there with me. We had a great time. She she is a seasoned trade show veteran, and so she and she loves to talk. So she she was real, you know, casting out there, reeling them in, and setting the hook. And uh, then I would spin the wheel of knowledge, and we would chat about whatever came up: the NFC North, the quarterbacks. You know, Bob Harris and I had a nice little chat about uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, it was pretty awesome to meet Bob. And uh, I don't know if you if you are on Sirius and listen to his show, uh, Football Diehards. You know, he does seven days a week during the season on Sirius. Man, that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I can't Anyways, I met Kyle Richardson. The guys from Dynasty Trades HQ were there. Kyle was fantastic. Super personable. Love talking with him. J. Mike Check, you know, Mr. FF Warm Hug himself, uh, the Debbie Owner's Manual, Chris Allen. You know, I got to meet all of them earlier uh, this year. Uh, we did a meetup down in Cincinnati, so I did meet uh, a number of guys down there, which was pretty cool. But as far as the expo went, you know, it started off with a, with a charity draft. So I'm going to post my team here later and, with a link, and you can go bet on me to win this thing you make a donation to the charity and you can can bet on me to win this i don't know i I have mixed feelings about my team which means it'll probably be good but i I don't know i I just wasn't feeling it there i got sniped a couple times you know we were we're live drafting on sleeper while we were putting stickers on the board and at one point i put anthony miller's sticker up and then when I went to do my draft, my person, I drafted Delaney Walker. Uh-huh. And then like a round and a half later, somebody was going nuts trying to find the Anthony Miller sticker. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I already picked him. He's like, well, he's still in the, and it turns out somebody had already picked Delaney Walker too. It was kind of a cluster that I created. Um, <laughs> we got through it though. Matt Williams, uh, Matt, uh, Williams with the seven seven in his name there uh, was able to fix that and get us back on track. Uh, I did a, a nice panel. Uh, did a couple panels. One about uh, snake draft strategies, where we actually uh, worked through about ten rounds of a snake draft, and then we took questions from the audience about why we 
had a certain strategy, what it, you know, what, what was our approach to it? I was drafting in the middle of the pack. Uh-huh. And it seems like this offseason, you know, historically for me, I've kind of always liked to be in the middle. But this offseason, I've gravitated towards the ends to be closer to the turns. Uh, and so I kind of like to be in the first four so I can get one of the big four running backs. Right. Or in the last three or four where I can get, uh, you know, running back with uh, top five upside plus a top tier wide receiver, or maybe maybe even two running backs with top five upside. Uh, so it was a little different being in the middle during during that panel. I really enjoyed it. You know, Shane Manila from uh, uh, Dynasty Trades HQ was was there. Uh, Jeremy Barker, he was uh, on the panel. Bob and Kyle from Football Diehards. Uh, it was a uh, uh, ooh, uh, Michelle from Ball Blast was there as well it it was uh we did a couple different panels so we had a fantastic time we got to shake some hands and kiss some babies well nobody brought any babies but you know we shook a lot of hands that looking does, forward to next year yeah so am i man i saw a lot of people posting about everything and and a lot of the pictures being taken obviously some of the after party stuff with dynasty nerds i know i saw i think they posted it earlier today or rich posted it or maybe it was gary one of those guys posted it uh and saw all you guys together and it's something i'm i'm looking forward to i cannot wait for it uh to happen again next year because i will definitely be able to make it up there for that sounds like a lot of fun and i am uh extremely uh, sad that I got to miss it, but I'm looking forward to next year. What is uh, the merchandise giveaway that you wanted to do? So uh, we did candy bars with uh, numbers on them. So when people come to the booth, they would, uh, you know, they could, my my wife deemed it tweet and eat, take a piece of candy, a little candy bar, you get to eat it, and tweet the number at uh, the show's handle, uh, Roundtable FF. And uh, then we'll pick some people to win some merchandise. So uh, what we can do here is we can put them in the randomizer, and uh, we'll pick five people. How's that sound? You want to give away? We can do T-shirts, water bottles, coffee mugs, beanies, yada, 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 you know, whatever we have on the merch store. Uh, Five sound like a good number. Works for me. All right. I wish I had brought the wheel in we were using to spin so I could make (laughs) that spinning noise. All right, the first person hitting the randomizer is the the one and only John Hesterman. Oh, what was John's? I wrote the name down, but I didn't write the Twitter handle. John underscore Hesterman. John is our first winner. So, and then the instructions, is, you need to DM myself or Matt so we can get your address so we can ship you the merchandise. All right, our next winner, hitting the randomizers, one and only Tim Torch from Under the Helmet. All right. I know Mr. Yep. Tim. Yeah. Um, his, he is at Tim NFL. Very nice. All right. So that's two. Our third one, going into the randomizer. Oh, this is nice. Perry Robertson, one of our listeners. It was very nice to meet Perry. He is at thatdeal underscore 22. That's D-A-T-D-E-A-L underscore 22 
I'm partial to guys with underscores in their names, as you may know. <laughs> All right, we're going to give it another spin. And coming up is Dub Diesel, as in Diesel Dobert. D-I-E-S-E-L-D-O-E-B-E-R-T. We got one more? One more. Going in. And that is Mr. Danny Lop 123. All right. So I guess uh, they need to dm you or myself and then we will get that set up are we just randomly picking the prizes that they're winning or do they get to pick well what do you want to do since uh, you didn't get to, since you didn't get to come i'll let you make that decision you know what i'll let them pick you guys can pick whatever you want i'm, I'm willing to to work with you guys on that we've got a as as dennis found out very late sunday night i was able to actually get another shop up and going with a with our Knights logo on there, which which I love. It was a long, hard process to get that all done. Uh, so we've got even more stuff and more swag coming on a different site. So we, uh, I'm okay with letting them pick. They can pick whatever they want. The, the first five winners of this giveaway, they can pick something, and we will get it sent to them, if that's cool with you. Cool. Congratulations, all. Congratulations. Yes, uh, we're looking forward to, to hearing from you guys, and, and as soon as we do, we will get you guys hooked up with that stuff. All right. So now, with all that done with the Midwest Expo, let's get in and start talking about some football and some of the breaking news that happened over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so for starters, I guess the big news that came out this weekend was the reinstatement of Josh Gordon. He got reinstated. He is or conditionally reinstated. He is back with the Panthers. Oh my goodness, the Panthers. I cannot talk today. The New England Patriots. Uh, was interesting to me. Obviously, I'm a huge Josh Gordon fan. Uh, I'm happy that he got reinstated. Hopefully, this means he's turning his life around. This is probably his fourth chance, if I'm remembering correctly. So we will see what happens. A little surprised that the that the Patriots, re- no, I guess, should not be surprised they retained his rights because of his talent. But the fact that he is still with the Patriots, uh, uh, especially with everything that happened. Dennis, Matt, your guys' thoughts on on Josh Gordon being re- reinstated with the Patriots, and what do you think his fantasy outlook could be in 2019? he's going to be the wide receiver one all right <laughs> now i i i love josh gordon and as somebody who is in recovery myself i am well aware of the struggles that uh can occur with with that condition you know i don't have all of the facts that, that it's a very personal thing when it comes to relapse and and maintaining your sobriety and, and being in recovery it sounds like from what I've read that he didn't test positive last year, but he missed the test because he felt too vulnerable and he went and checked himself in to get help so that he wouldn't relapse. Mm-hmm. And if that's if that's the story, then I guess I understand maybe Goodell being a little more lenient with it and saying, look, we'll conditionally reinstate you versus giving him the uh, uh, Justin Blackman treatment. Um, it seems like Gordon is is trying. I, from a fantasy perspective, it's eternally frustrating. You know, I've got him on one team. 
after it happened, I kind of jokingly threw out that he was on the block, but I, I'm quite confident that I'm not going to be able to get what I think is value for him. And I'm not in any, I'm not looking to just dump him off my roster. Like he's Damian Williams. Yeah. I think that's where I was at. There's a, a couple of things first. Um, I thought, uh, Dennis addressed his uh, his issues uh, pretty beautifully, but the one thing that that jumped out to me is uh, it seems like just with everybody with every other season, you know, everything comes up roses for New England. You know, two months ago we were thinking, oh God, they don't have any receivers, and now, of course, right on the cusp of the season, he comes back. The, the most happy person has to be. Uh, Tom Brady looking around, uh, seeing Josh Gordon come back. And, well, I don't think he'll be wide receiver one. Um, he'll be wide receiver one for the Patriots. And uh, that's what puts him in an interesting fantasy position right now because I've seen people dump him for a lot of things or, you know, can I get a first-round pick? Do I have to settle for a second-round pick? This, to me, is the absolute worst time to be trying to trade him um, because you're never going to get – the right value you know if he comes back and he's terrible which i don't think will happen you you know you made out but if he comes back and he looks anything like he did when he played for them last year taking a simple draft pick or i saw one guy he's like yeah i think i'm gonna trade josh gordon straight up for mark andrews i'm like no no you know if you wait a couple of weeks and see if he can integrate back and if he can start to flash then you'll have a better idea of value if you want to get rid of them for me it worked out really great i'm in a redraft vampire league where i'm the vampire and uh, they already drafted because uh, they wanted to get they were just excited to draft <laughs> so i would scoop up josh gordon and slap him on my team and instantly have a much better player uh, than i had previously going at wide receiver so Deshaun hamilton now back to the bench josh gordon welcome to the team <laughs> Well, I love the Deshaun Hamilton drop there, too. Uh, what do you guys think that this, or how do you guys think this might affect Nikhil Harry's fantasy value, at least for the 2019 season? Again, we have not seen Josh Gordon play an entire season in quite a while due to the suspensions uh, that's happened. So assuming he plays, though, all 16 games, he's, he's able to, you know, stay on stay on the right road with the help of, of his the people around him and the Patriots. Do you think this affects Nikhil Harry immensely or just a little bit or none? Not at all. Take it, Matt. I, I I would say Nikhil Harry's a long-term bet, not necessarily a great 2019 bet. Because let's be honest, Tom's Brady's 42, and the Patriots are looking at the Super Bowl, and it's very possible that six weeks into the regular season, their receiving core is Julian Edelman, uh, Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, and uh, Ben Watson. Uh, which looks a heck of a lot different than what we thought it might be when Nikhil Harry was drafted. So all those people that were hoping they were going to get some instant bang for their buck, I think might have to slow their roll just a little bit. Yeah, I I like that, uh, you know, if Gordon is able to play uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, that helps Harry. It put it takes the pressure off him being a top pick. And with the prevalence of um, three wide receiver sets nowadays, this is a situation where it honestly it could it could help Harry be a little more relevant but frustrating from a 
fantasy perspective because you might not know, you know, when is he going to pop? When will, when will be his time? Uh, so that could be frustrating. Gordon, last year in New England for the 10 games or 11 games he played, he had his highest completion percentage uh, or catch percentage of his career. So I don't know if that's a, te- you know, it's probably a testament to Tom Brady's accuracy. Um, and he was 11th in the NFL in average depth of target or yards per target at 10.4 uh, yards for the year. But with uh, he would have been actually, if I look at his New England numbers, would have tied, tied him at ninth with T.Y. Hilton in uh, yards per target. So he definitely provides that downfield threat, and he you know, he's big and he's fast. So his you know for Harry, it takes the pressure off Harry. I agree with Matt. It's completely um, Harry is a we play dynasty mostly, and Harry is still uh, at the top of the the rookie draft boards for the most part. This means potentially about New England's offense. I mean, James White didn't go anywhere. Rex Burkhead didn't go anywhere. They added Harris as a running back. They still have Michelle. Uh, you know, the rich get richer, I guess. Yeah, they, they always seem to. Uh, real quick before we move on to the AB news, I just want to ask you. So looking at his ADP for the FFWC, he's still going right around 111. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of uh, ahead and behind him and see who you if you would take him over them. So a couple of the guys going ahead of him, right ahead of him, James Washington and Tyrell Williams. Would you take him over either, neither, or both? I'd take him over both. Is is him Harry or is him Gordon? Gordon. Yeah. Uh, so who were the players again? Uh, he's going right behind Tyrell Williams and James Washington. Dynasty or redraft? Redraft. FFWC. Because the FFWC okay. is mostly redraft. We'll stick with okay. redraft for now. Um, Boy, Washington really seems to be establishing himself as the number two in uh, in Pittsburgh. And both of those offenses are going to be pretty comparable, I think. Uh, actually, I think Pittsburgh, while not throwing 650 or however the hell many passes been through last year, uh, are probably still going to throw more passes than New England. So I'd, I'd take him over Tyrell, but uh, it might be a, it would be an emotional pick for me between Washington and Gordon, um, and it might probably. I could see me going Washington because I am going to, there is some fear that Gordon isn't going to make it back or he's not going to play the whole season. So I I think I would, I I think I would put Gordon between the two of them. Okay. And then a couple guys going right behind him. I would assume you wouldn't take either of these three over him, but I'm going to ask Golden Tate, Devin Funches and Nikhil Harry. Again, we'll, we'll just approach it from a redraft perspective. Would any three of those jump Gordon for you guys? Not for me. Uh, the only one I think might jump for me would be Tate, mm-hmm. and that would be if I have some indication as to when Gordon is coming back. So if Gordon isn't going to play until week four and Tate's not going to play until week four, I, I could see taking Tate 
because I think he, he's going to be a little more consistent. Um, and potentially he, he's the number one in New York. And if that team comes together at all, uh, you know, Tate could put up, uh, Tate, Tate might get 30 more receptions than uh, Gordon. And so I, I might take Tate over him. For me, I think the way they set it up, it, it certainly feels like they're planning on Josh Gordon week one. I think that's why they made the reinstatement so early in the preseason. I wouldn't actually be surprised if we see him play in the week three preseason game. That would be very interesting, in my opinion. All right, so A.B., more drama has followed him uh, into Oakland. So we already talked about the, the feet a couple episodes ago and then the helmet stuff as well. So, I mean, I don't really even know where to go from here. Obviously, he's trying to play in a shut helmet, and those are just not allowed in the NFL anymore due to them not being approved by the NFLPA and the NFL due to the lawsuits Really, I think that, or the, to me, the biggest thing is the lawsuits. They're paying out, I believe it's upwards of a billion dollars, something like that, to players due to them hiding facts or hiding stuff about concussions a long time ago. So they're trying to do this for player safety. A lot of players were told last year that they could have one more year as kind of like the grandfather rule to allow them to wear those helmets, but they needed to find a new helmet by this year. Antonio Brown had a grievance filed with the NFL. He found a new helmet, tried to get that approved. It failed the testing, so they told him he needed to get a new helmet. He did not show up to camp the other day. I did see reports that he will be back to camp, I believe, as early as tomorrow. We saw Mike Mayock come out and make a statement pretty much saying that he needs to either be all in or all out. Uh, I really think it was Mike Mayock and allowing John Gruden to kind of stay the good guy there and be like, no, we still love AB and all this stuff and make Mike Mayock the bad guy, kind of good cop, bad cop thing. But just give me uh, your guys' perspectives on everything that has happened with AB. And then do you think he's going to be worth the drama that Oakland has brought on in 2019? Well, uh, Pro Football Talk reported that Brown did uh, show up again today. He did come back in after Mike Mayock basically – uh, laid down the law and was like, man, I, I about had enough of your shit. So I, that doesn't mean he's going to stay. Uh, as of right now, Pro Football Talk is reporting that it's a, he's a long shot to play in the third preseason game, but on track to be ready for week one. You know, I get it. You're, you, you're used to a certain type of helmet and it gets comfortable. It's like your favorite pair of jeans or your favorite shoes, only it can save your life. Um, so if I, I don't own any shares of AB on any of my teams, so I'm not directly affected by it, but I'm also not going out and trying to buy on the dip from the crazy either, because I don't, I honestly, I think I'd rather have Josh Gordon than AB just because maybe I'm more sympathetic to Gordon's cause and AB just seems crazy now. Yeah, I think uh, the big winner in this entire thing is the producers of Hard Knocks, who uh, have just stumbled into a uh, storyline that will carry them all season. Uh, I think they knew that, though. <laughs> well, I think they expected that there would be some uh, fun times with Antonio Brown in Oakland. I don't know if they knew it was going to be the story of the right. Um And honestly, if you've watched the first two episodes, they need Antonio Brown's crazy because uh, it is pretty dry. Uh, Derek Carr seems like a lovely guy. He is not a TV star. 
But yeah. uh, for me, I have one share of Antonio Brown, and I wish I didn't. Uh, I kind of feel like you can't really trade him for anything uh, worth realistic value. And I already thought he was going to take a little bit of dip from the Antonio Brown that we've seen before. But now, the time that you're losing, I think in it was in the last episode of Hard Knocks, actually, where Gruden was talking about you can't get time back. You know, you get the reward out for the work you put in. Um, kind of referencing that it was tough not having Antonio Brown out there because he's new to the team, he's new to the offense, he's new to the quarterback. They can't see what he can do. He can't build any rapport. And obviously he's a great and professional receiver who's achieved a lot, but he's also kind of a head case. And making this transition, you know, if he has to learn to play with a new helmet and he thinks that's going to throw him off, that's even more reason he should be out there trying it hoping to get into a game to see what it's like so that the first time that he experiences that isn't on Monday night with all the lights on in Oakland on September 9th, but it's shaping up that way. And for the Raiders, they kind of have to go all in. I'm not surprised Mayock made those comments because if you look at their offense without Antonio Brown, they've got Terrell Williams and some prayers. I mean, they have a rookie running back. They let their, best receiver from last year which was jared cook go to the saints they have jj nelson who is what going to be on his third or fourth team uh antonio brown was going to be the big draw and tyrell williams could be a decent weapon if there's something on the other side but if he's now like your wide receiver one two and three option that's not very good for Derek carr either for a year where they said they're putting a lot of pressure on wanting to see him get back to some kind of a good form so i think this is probably the biggest nightmare for uh the raiders and for john gruden who wants to make some kind of a splash and so some kind of progress before they go to las vegas marcel aitman season yeah sure <laughs> who uh, marcel aitman no i it was a joke yeah i know <laughs> I was playing along. All right, so the last little bit of news we've got here is a little bit of injury news for DK Metcalf. He had a knee scope. Uh, Pete Carroll, who is semi-notorious for being a little bit uh, proactive or optimistic for injury timelines, says that it's not serious and he should be back by week one. However, I will... uh, kind of emulate something Matt just said there about Antonio Brown and time is not something you can get back DK Metcalf came in as one of the more raw prospects at the wide receiver position this year I think he needs time on the field and getting in to a better kind of uh uh better uh my goodness I can't think of the word now but um because I want to say relationship, and that's not at all. He does not have a relationship with Russell Wilson. That would be Ciara. I'm an idiot, and I cannot focus because I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, he needs to get just more reps with I, Russell Wilson. I take another shot at NyQuil. That's what I'm about to do. I'm just going to let you guys – I'm just going to hit record, and when I wake up in the next couple hours, I'll just hit stop, and I'll figure out where you guys stop talking. This is It's, it's embarrassing. But anyways, uh, he needs to get more reps with Russell Wilson. He's not going to get that now. Even if he's back by week one, I do think that he's going to kind of lose his spot on the wide receiver depth chart, at least for now, is that wide receiver two uh, right on the other side of Tyler Lockett. Uh, I don't know – specifically if Matt is a fan of DK Metcalf. So what is your guys' takes on the uh, DK Metcalf injury and his outlook for 2019? What do you think, Matt? uh, Not going to be helpful for Seattle. Um, You know, a team that really trying to find some weapons. And, you know, we know they have Tyler Lockett, but Doug Baldwin's gone. 
Uh, Will Disley is coming back from knee injury. You know, Russell Wilson needs some targets too. You never exactly know what's going to be the situation with their running backs. I know um, they, they've mentioned that they're going to try to get them more involved in the passing game. Uh, there's not a lot of options out there for uh, Seattle, and this is this is definitely going to be a blow. Uh, be interesting to see how quickly he comes back. He seemed like a rookie based on some of the things we learned at the combine that needed uh, as much time and work as possible to try to maximize his skills in the NFL. So it's got to be kind of a blow, especially since Seattle is in a relatively tough division. We're going to see where San Francisco's at tonight, but. The Rams are still there. Arizona's hoping to ascend. I think you're going to have to put up points if you want to do well in the NFC West. And it's tougher to do when you don't have those weapons out there to make it happen. Yeah, when Pete Carroll says somebody has a slight knee injury, I I look at it. The range of outcomes could be anything from he tripped and scraped his knee and has a Band-Aid to his leg has been amputated from the hip. So, so we don't really know what's going on with Metcalf. So let's just assume it was a quick knee scope and he's going to be out for, you know, three or four weeks. Um, You know, we saw Maurice Claret come back from a knee scope in two weeks when he was here at Columbus. So uh, they can be a relatively minor procedure. But there was, uh, you know, David Moore flashed last year. Jerron Brown, he, he's been getting some good press. Uh, this uh, this uh, training camp, uh, they got Keenan Reynolds, who's set to be their slot receiver, uh, according to our lads, along with Tyler Lockett. So they have a little bit of depth. Um, none of them quite have the physical tools that DK Metcalf has. Uh, you, you just don't find that kind of stuff. You know, that's a rarity. You know, he's big, fast, and strong. So I, I think they've got enough. Re- they played a bunch of games last year without Doug Baldwin. So I think when they look at it, they're well aware that, that they can play and score some points without the Doug Baldwin, without a DK Metcalf. Um, it, it, may re- it may require some adjustment to some of the game plan, you know, but I think they're going to be just fine. They, they were never going to throw the ball 500 times anyways. So not having DK Metcalf out there lifting the lid off the the defense, you know, maybe it tightens things up a little bit, but Tyler Lockett has shown that he's a pretty good wide receiver and he was always going to be the wide receiver one. And now it's just going to be up to, you know, Moore and Brown and Reynolds to step up. Uh, if Disley can come back, you know, uh, there was a nice write-up on Dynasty Nerds uh, a few weeks ago about Uncle Will Disley. I forget. Boy, you'd think I should remember the writer's names there since I'm the editor. Um, uh, but they wrote up a nice article about Disley's progress coming back. Uh, you can go to Dynasty Nerds and check that out. It's a, it's a free article. Um, so D- Disley is a, a good tight end. Nick Vanette has flashed a little bit, and I like that they brought in uh, Jacob Hollister from New England. He was Josh Allen's uh, tight end at Wyoming. He just has to overcome the injuries. He has been so, so fragile, but he's got really good speed, and he's a guy that can get down the seam in the middle of the field 
and, and make some plays. So they're not completely without options. Some injuries and lack of things last year to get them uh, up in the in the playoff hunt, but um, they definitely lost a lot more pieces of that defense. And if, if their defense is woeful, that to me puts a lot more pressure on the offense. And I think the last couple of years, one of their biggest issues has been not being able to block long enough to open up holes for running backs and allow Russell Wilson to sit back there and find folks. So they led the league in rushing last year and they had, Oh, what? 370, almost, almost uh, 500 attempts. Maybe I think 534 attempts was their, their rushing attempts last year, even with that, that offensive line. Uh, yeah, the opportunity, that's, you know, they've neglected that line, but I think they got DJ Fluker back. Effetti has been a little iffy. Um, maybe some of the backups, Ethan Pochick, Pochick, uh, Jamarco Jones coming in their second and third year, first and second year. So there's some opportunity if they can get some people to maybe take some steps, uh, you know, I think that they still want to run the ball. Uh, I feel like from a fantasy football perspective, uh, I could see the split being, you know, 275 carries for Carson and, you know, 200 carries for, uh, oh, my guy, uh, Rashad Penny. So even though I don't think Penny looked great this week, he's got to, he needs to, you know, run forward. Stop cutting back on everything. Yeah, Stop we'll, reversing the field. We we'll, know you're fast. Just run forward. We'll get into Penny here in a minute for sure. First and ten at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott. Some of the, uh, not some of, almost all the games for preseason week two. We have one more game tonight, which again we will we will break down here in just a minute. But we wanted to touch on some of the uh, 
not necessarily breakout guys, but guys that caught our attention in week two, uh, had some good plays or players that we're looking forward to possibly having good careers in the NFL. We're going to start with the first game on the list, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Philadelphia won 24-10. to On Philadelphia's side, Miles Sanders, a guy that uh, I have been propping up a lot, into a kind of committee situation there in Philadelphia. Obviously, a lot of people not sure what he's going to do looked fantastic in that game. Now, his stat line, not great. I mean, if you look at the yards per carry, it was 5 for 31 yards, a 6.2-yard carry, but he had a couple, a really good 16-yard run, and then a couple other ones that looked really good. I'm excited to see what he keeps doing. Uh, And then on the Jacksonville side, a guy that stood out for me was Gardner Minshew. Uh, So he went 19 for 29 for 202 yards, a guy that I think could easily become the backup to Nick Foles there, and a guy that uh, at in that Washington State offense, that air raid offense in college, looked really, really good. In the Jets game, the guy that's been standing out for me really in the past two games, a lot of this is due to the fact that uh, Le'Veon Bell is not playing. Adam Gase has come out and said that Le'Veon Bell is not going to play at all in the preseason is Ty Montgomery. So the Jets won 22-10 over the Falcons. So the Falcons probably could have won that game a couple drop passes in the end zone. But Ty Montgomery, seven carries for 36 yards and a touchdown. It did look really good. Also liked what I saw out of Robbie Anderson. There was a guy, however, on Atlanta's side that really stood out, and that's Dennis's guy. Now, I know Dennis, due to him being at the Midwest Expo and everything, didn't get a chance to watch a lot of football this weekend, but your guy Quadri Allison had himself a very good day. Nine for 44 for a 4.9 yard average. I think he's moving closer and closer to securing that backup spot there behind Devonta Freeman, possibly even working himself into the workload a little bit for Atlanta. In the next game of the afternoon, we had the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington Redskins. The Bengals winning 23-13. to I thought both rookie quarterbacks looked really good in this game. So Ryan Finley, 20 for 26, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins really improved on his first game, uh, throwing 7 for 14 for 114 yards and one touchdown. So I really liked what both of those guys showed. Uh, I know, uh, I believe Jay Gruden came out earlier this weekend and said that it looks like Case Keenum is probably going to be the starter. We don't get to see what goes on in practice, so I'd imagine he's saying that or making that call for a reason. But I really like the improvement I saw out of Dwayne Haskins in Week 2. And then Ryan Finley looked extremely impressive to me and is someone I think could easily step in and be the, the backup to Andy Dalton, possibly even get some work uh, if Andy Dalton does get hurt. Uh, let's see here. What do we got next? The Baltimore Ravens and the Green Bay Packers. By the way, if you guys did not see the the really cool interaction between Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers after the game, I tweeted, I retweeted it on Twitter and talked about how I loved it. It's a really cool interaction between those two guys. Uh, the kind of respect that Lamar Jackson shows Aaron Rodgers and a little joke that they have at the end of their conversation was uh, fairly interesting. Not much going on in that game, though. Obviously, Lamar had a great run, was called back because of a penalty. They did win 26-13. Uh, The player that kind of stood out for me on the Ravens side, though, was Trace McSorley. A lot of people were kind of, I would say, not in on him uh, with the draft process and everything. A guy that uh, put up some really good numbers at Penn State, but then had a really bad year last year with Penn State. Uh, Did go 8 for 13, just 74 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But I liked a little bit what I saw out of him. Could possibly end up winning that backup job there, or at least the third guy behind, uh, behind Lamar Jackson and RG3. 
Josh Jacobs looked good for the Oakland Raiders as they took on the Arizona Cardinals in that last game Thursday night. The Raiders winning 33-26, though that game was not nearly as close as the final score indicates. Start with the the Raiders first because I know a couple, uh, or at least Matt wants to touch on uh, the Cardinals side here, as do I with Kyler Murray. So for me, really, Josh Jacobs was the only standout as someone who has not been that high on him. The entire offseason and draft process, he did look fairly good to me. Uh, he may be winning me over a little bit. I might have to change my mind on I still don't think he's as good as David Montgomery and Miles Sanders, but he looked a lot better than I thought he would with that Oakland Raiders offense. Kyler Murray, though, in his second game really struggled in this one. Uh, while, again, I still don't think they're really showing much of their offense, I do think that the... The... Uh, the... The... the uh, I was going to say foul. The penalties that they called on Kyler Murray for false starts because of him clapping his hands, although it technically is in the rule back, I thought was a little, I don't want to say bush league, but I, I did not feel like the refs needed to call that. That is really what kind of put Kyler Murray in some bad situations in that game, but he did not look good at all. Uh, he, I mean, it was just it, uh, a big departure from what we saw in the first week. So he went three for eight for just 12 yards. Matt, your thoughts on Kyler Murray uh, in that game against Oakland? Well, it's not even so much for me about Murray as, you know, it, it was good that they were able to take him. They went and drafted a lot of wide receivers and stuff to put around him. But uh, anyone who watched much of Arizona last year would have seen that one of their biggest problems on offense was they couldn't block anything. And that does not look to have gotten uh, much better. Uh, Kyler Murray didn't have much of a line in front of him. And no matter how good of a passer you are, or how dynamic your plays are, if you can't block anyone, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed. And I think that's probably a, was a bigger question going into uh, this experiment. You know, could they sufficiently protect him and make improvement on the offensive line? And what I saw on that game Thursday night uh, told me that they didn't, and it could very well be a long season. Um, but at least Kyler Murray, unlike Josh Rosen, can run away from some people. So <laughs> get killed. Yeah, but I think if you saw – so Murray ran a few times, and uh, I think it might have been Farrell or, or Arden Key, one of their defensive linemen. He wasn't running away from them. I mean, they didn't catch him, but he wasn't picking up ground. Right. Uh, so they couldn't get around the corner on him. I think he's going to find that NFL linebackers and defensive linemen are a little faster than he's used to trying to run away from uh, he'll get a lot of practice to see if he can outrun them, uh, apparently. All right, so next up, the first game on Friday, we had the Buffalo Bills and the Carolina Panthers. Buffalo winning 27-14. to uh, Not much going on on Buffalo's side except for uh, my guy, Tyree Jackson, someone that uh, I believe – I can't remember if it was Dennis or Matt. It was probably Dennis. Trashing my guy on this podcast saying he wouldn't make it in the NFL. Looked fairly good. I liked what I saw out of him. I was not going to be a starting quarterback like I hoped he would uh, in in Los Angeles behind Phillip Rivers someday, uh, but did go four for ten for 68 yards, did unfortunately throw an interception. What was that? What was that? He went what? Four for ten. Four for ten? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 40%? Hey, hey. Okay. He's, he's, he's going to be, he's gonna <laughs> he's be no getting, Trace McSorley. 
Hey, you know what? You're right. He's better than Trace McSorley. We don't have to worry about it. But he did do, uh, did get 27 yards on eight carries as well. I, I think he's going to improve. I hope that he is able to win that backup spot there, or at least be the third quarterback for now in Buffalo. Because I think he's got a lot of talent for the Panthers side. Not much for me. Did see a little bit of run out of Jordan Scarlett, uh, a rookie that a lot of people are talking about, possibly taking over that second spot over Cameron, Ar- Cameron Artis Payne. We've seen him in Carolina for quite a while. Really hasn't been able to do anything. And then, of course, Elijah Holyfield as well played a little bit, but nothing to write home about in that game. Next up on the Friday slate, we had the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. The Bears losing 13-32. For the Bears, nothing really that stuck out for me. However, on the Giants side, we did see Daniel Jones come back to earth a little bit. Instead of going 5-for-5, five five, he only missed three passes in this game. Still, actually, I thought it looked fairly good. 161 yards and a touchdown. A lot of people might be changing. I know it's only preseason, but I think a lot of people can start really not necessarily saying Dave Gettleman was right, but realizing maybe he wasn't as wrong as we all thought he was on Daniel Jones. He might be a little bit of a better quarterback than we were all giving him credit for. The last game Friday night, we saw the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks pulling out the 16-14 win. I honestly did not get to see much of this game yet, so I don't know much of what's going on. Just looking at the stats, though, nobody blew anything away here for the Dolphins or the Buccaneers. So it did look like Rosen had a fairly good night, uh, 10 for 18 for 102 yards. Again, that's really the, the biggest quarterback competition going into the season between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Saturday slate, we had the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts opening up the first game. The Browns winning 21-18. Two things in this game. So the Browns, Rashad Higgins continues. Hollywood Higgins continues to shine and look like he's pretty much, at least in my opinion, solidified the wide receiver three spot, especially with Antonio Callaway being suspended. And on the Colts side... Jacoby Brissett looked really good in this game against a decent Browns defense while they did sit a bunch of their starters. He still looked good a lot better than what we saw out of him a couple years ago when he was called into action after only being on the team for, I believe, a week after the trade from the Patriots. Much better team around him, much better offensive line around him as well. If Andrew Luck has to sit, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to be just fine. Matt, what were your thoughts on Brissett in that game against the Browns? Well, I'm glad you uh, you brought up luck because that's the really uh, the thing that I've been thinking about as somebody who owns uh, about 15 shares of Andrew Luck in Dynasty. <laughs> uh, his ever morphing injury, uh, you know, seeing what Jacoby Brissett looked like in one of those really deeper Dynasty leagues. I have Jacoby Brissett because I have Andrew Luck, but I mean, I wondered what you guys thought. At what point in time would you start trying to hedge your bets? You know, I I think it depends on your team construction. So in Superflex, I I tend to, if I know a quarterback has an injury history, I'll try to pick up that backup. Uh, At this point in the season, uh, I feel like with Andrew Luck, you've got to get Brissette. I know, like, for me, I, I took over a couple orphans that had Marcus Mariota on the team. And regardless of whether or not you think he can be an average NFL quarterback or not, uh, I went out, the first trade I made on those teams was to go out and acquire Ryan Tannehill. Because I, I don't know, my I have concerns still whether or not uh, Mariota can even feel the ball. 
with his pinky. And I think that I think he's still having trouble with that nerve and they're trying to minimize it. So when it comes to luck, you know, we've we've seen it play out before where it's not been serious and he missed 16 games. So I look at it and I go, well, if I've got luck, if I can try to uh, get Brissett on my team and I've and I've got the space, you know, if I have to move my, you know, RB six or wide receiver six to make space to carry an extra quarterback, then, you know, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. Yeah. I think the real dagger to my heart, if Lux sits out is a, uh, I have a super flex team where I have Mahomes and I had Baker Mayfield. I flipped Mayfield for luck because I like luck better. Uh. <laughs> Except uh, being my Waterloo. Well, speaking of Mariota, they came up and played the New England Patriots on Saturday. We, um, For me, Damian Harris stood out for the Patriots. 14 carries for 80 yards, a 5.7 average. Nick Brosette, a guy out of LSU last year who I also really liked, went undrafted, ended up landing with the Patriots. I thought looked okay, though his numbers don't really show it. Likely he's not going to make the team, though, with the amount of running backs they have there already. The Tennessee Titans, so two things. Marcus Mariota did not look that bad. Actually had a um, kind of got, I don't want to say laid out, but had a very interesting touchdown run, which caused him to be flipped in the air. Ryan Tannehill, though, also looked good as well. So that quarterback battle that we talked about on Thursday uh, is still heating up, and I think this week could really solidify which one gets the start. For me, the big standout was Alex Barnes. I know a lot of people are talking about Jeremy McNichols and what he did in the receiving game. Uh, He did catch a touchdown, also got flipped into the end zone. But Alex Barnes really stood out running the ball. Seven carries for 42 yards, a six-point yard average. Did look really good, though, from the runs that I saw. A guy that I think could, in the long run, take over Deion Lewis's spot as the backup to Derrick Henry or just get a role in this offense altogether. As we all know, I am not that big a fan of Derrick Henry as it is. The next game up, we had the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Chiefs lost 7-17. For the Chiefs, though, Darwin Thompson continues to impress and is looking like a guy who, if you are not a Damian Williams believer like Mr. Dennis Bennett here, and I would love to get Matt's opinion on Damian Williams here in a minute because we've not had him on the pod, so I don't know what he thinks of Williams. But uh, Damian Williams, if you're not a fan of him, though he did, um, he actually did not play in this game. But Darwin Thompson, 30 yards on four carries for a 7.5 average. I mean, he's just continued to impress the past couple games. Really interested to see the role that he gets possibly in this week three game when it is kind of considered the dress rehearsal for for most NFL teams going into the season. Matt, your thoughts on Damian Williams, since we have not had you on here. Are you pro-Damian Williams or against Damian Williams? I guess I'm cautiously optimistic. I have a couple of shares. Uh, one place where I have Damian, or both places where I have Damian Williams, I handcuffed him with... Uh, Thompson, just in case, but um, you know, I did a player profile on him for the Fantasy Life app blog earlier in the off season, and I mean, the potential uh, if you were the RB one in this Kansas offense is pretty good. Um, so there's some potential there, but um, we've just never seen him carry that kind of load. His sample size from the end of last year is so small; um, it's hard to have 
incredible confidence in him, but I'm still hopeful. From last year and the year before that and the year yeah. before that and I mean, the year before that and the year before that. Look, he has opportunity. Opportunity is one of the best things that uh, a player can have for fantasy purposes, whether he does anything. I, I'm i also not a fan of Carlos Hyde. So All right. I like Carlos it. Optimism there. The mats got to stick together. I like it. I love Carlos Hyde. I just don't think he's going to be that big of a deal in Kansas City. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mason Rudolph got the start here, a guy that a lot of people thought might end up replacing Big Ben, especially after all the retirement talk he had done the past couple seasons. Doesn't quite look like Big Ben is ready to retire just yet. Mason Rudolph, though, not really impressive from what I saw. 10 for 15, 77 yards. Though, James Washington, I think, really continues to assert himself as the number two. A lot of people thought Dante Moncrief might get that job. He's had a a lot of hype since coming into the NFL, but really hasn't lived up to it playing with uh, what I would consider one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Andrew Luck. Moved around to a couple different teams and has now landed with Pittsburgh. James Washington, 78 yards on four catches, including one where he ran back to the ball and made a nice catch. Uh, I really like what I'm seeing out of James uh, James Washington. However, we did see this last year in the preseason as well, and then he didn't necessarily live up to that in the regular season. So we'll have to see where that goes uh, from here, but I am definitely liking what I'm seeing so far out of him. The next game up, we had the it was the late night game on Saturday. Nope, I'm skipping the Lions and the Texans, but that's because there was nobody that really stood out for me in the Lions and Texans. The Lions did lose 23-30. The late night game, the Rams and the Cowboys in Hawaii. The Cowboys won the game 14-10. The big standout for me, Tony Pollard. 42 yards on five carries for an 8.4 average. One touchdown, of course, a lot of talk now with Tony Pollard is will the Cowboys be able to survive without Zeke because of Tony Pollard? If you guys heard the Jerry Jones interview, I mean, I, I, the, the reporter was just like laughing hysterically uh, when uh, he asked Jerry Jones, uh, so does Tony Pollard make you guys forget about Zeke or something like that? And he said, who's Zeke? And the, the reporter laughed like it was the funniest thing you'd ever heard of. It was a little awkward to me. Uh, I really can't imagine that they're planning on going into the season with Tony Pollard as their main RB1. But I guess we'll see. He is showing out fairly well in the preseason, um, but he's, he's still not Zeke. The interesting thing, though, for me in the Cowboys game, and I was able to watch most of it, was the way Michael Gallup and Devin Smith look. So Michael Gallup. Rookie last year, uh, a guy that was high on a lot of people's boards, was just one catch for 31 yards, but I liked what I saw out of him even when he wasn't catching the ball. What I saw off the ball looked very intriguing to me, a guy I think could step up this year. And Devin Smith, so just three catches for 24 yards. However, if he's able to make this roster... For those of you who may have watched him at Ohio State, like I know I did, he suffered a ton of injuries since coming into the NFL, but the dude has a ton of speed, and one of the things that you can't teach is speed. If he can end up landing on this roster and possibly being a deep threat for them, I think he could be an extremely intriguing option. Granted, I'm not a fan of uh, Dak Prescott and the fact that he can't throw the ball that well deep. Devin Smith's still looking very interesting to me. Let's see here. What do we got? The next game here, we have the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday. The Saints winning this one 19-17 for the Saints side. Uh, I'm going to let Matt jump in and talk about Taysom Hill as he liked what he saw out of him. However, I want to talk about 
Devine Ogzigbo. He looked very good rushing the ball. 8 for 30 for a 3.8-yard uh, average. And receiving, though, 3 catches for 23 yards, 7.7 average, and a touchdown. A guy that could be very intriguing. I know you have Alvin Kamara there. And Latavius Murray as well, who is likely going to end up being, I think, the Mark Ingram player in that offense. I think he's going to walk in and take that role. We've already seen Sean Payton come out and say they are not increasing Alvin Kamara's workload just because Mark Ingram is gone. A lot of people think that they will. The coaches are coming out saying they're not. If they don't increase his role any, I don't know if Latavius Murray can hold up to what Mark Ingram did, so I would imagine Divine Oxigbo is going to get some run and some work. Very intriguing player, a rookie this year. I think that he could be in for a good year with the New Orleans Saints as possibly a low-end flex play, at least with what he's shown so far. Matt, tell me what you saw out of Taysom Hill in this game against the Chargers. Well, it's interesting you mentioned a, a runner for New Orleans because their leading rusher in that game was actually Hill, 53 yards on five carries. He also threw for 136, a couple of touchdowns, 11 of 15. Um, I was kind of interested uh, every morning, usually when I drive in the last couple of weeks, uh, since I blissfully get to drive on my own, I listen to the NFL radio on Sirius. And this morning, uh, Bob Papa and Charlie Weiss were talking about Hill and the chances. Uh, Charlie Weiss said from what he saw, he actually uh, in that game saw a player that the Saints could be looking at as the future heir to Drew Brees, someone they could build the offense around. He seemed like the kind of player that Sean Payton would like and would like to build around. You see a performance like that, Teddy Bridgewater, I know they brought him back in for some insurance, but he's on a one-year cap-friendly deal. Um, It would be interesting, you know, Roster spots are so tough to come by uh, in the NFL. It's always a bummer when you have to carry three quarterbacks. It would be interesting to see if they like what they've seen in Hill and think that he could actually suitably replace Drew if Drew got hurt. Interesting to see if they cut Bridgewater free or tried to trade him. Obviously, we've seen some teams that have some quarterback questions uh, behind their starter uh, and free up a roster spot for people like Ozigbo or people that they want to be able to squeeze onto their roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely will be interesting because a lot of talk last year and why Teddy Bridgewater, at least it was believed why he went back to New Orleans, was to be the future behind Drew Brees. So if they end up going with Taysom Hill, that's going to allow Teddy Bridgewater to kind of possibly get back out there. And we'll see. I mean, obviously, ever since that injury, he hasn't looked the same didn't necessarily look great before that, although a lot of people were saying that he definitely looked better before the injury was improving. So that'll be definitely something worth watching between those two, if, if, if both possibly make the roster or if they go with Hill over Bridgewater. On the Chargers side, it's a couple interesting things for me. I know me and Dennis were actually talking about this uh, in a group chat, so I kind of wanted to get Dennis' thoughts on this. I know you didn't get a chance to watch the game, but Cardell Jones looked pretty good. I was someone who, when he got drafted by the Chargers, thought he might one day be able to replace Phillip Rivers in this offense. Now, Rivers, in the final year of his contract, though, he did come out and say that him and the Chargers are both open to negotiating into the future, but they're not. They're going to wait till the end of this season. Do you think Cardell has a chance to be the future in the Chargers organization? I, I like Cardell a lot. He's got a big arm. Uh, for him, it's going to come down to being able to read the defenses. If he if he ends up only being able to read half the field, you know, I don't think he's going to get a long-term shot. They're going to want to bring in somebody that 
they can essentially keep keep the offense they have. They're, they've been on a good roll. And if Rivers retires this year or in two years, you know, Keenan Allen is still pretty young. You've got Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. So completely changing that offense, maybe. But for the most part, you want to keep it rolling when you've got a lot of momentum. You, you keep that momentum going. And so Jones being in a good position to learn behind Phillip Rivers for another year, uh, he's he's got the arm to stretch that defense. So I'm excited to kind of watch how he develops. If for no other reason than uh, you know, I like the deep ball to Mike Mike Williams, and uh, I'm a Cardale Jones fan, uh, being that I'm an Ohio State fan. <laughs> Yeah, the last player on the Chargers I want to touch on is Justin Jackson. So I thought he looked phenomenal on Sunday night. Just 33 yards on eight rushes for 4.1 yard average and then did add uh, nine yards on one catch but looked very good and is someone that I don't think is necessarily getting a lot of talk. Ever since the Melvin Gordon stuff happened and him saying that he's going to sit out until he gets a new contract, everybody immediately jumped on the Austin Eckler train, talking about how, well, he's always looked good. But Austin Eckler has suffered with injuries. Justin Jackson entering the league last year as a rookie out of Northwestern. He did have a huge workload on his legs in Northwestern, but was an absolute stud there. And they are being drafted fairly far apart. So Austin Eckler is good. Going as the first running back out of the well, out of those two, obviously Melvin Gordon going at 29 right now. Austin Eckler being drafted as the 64th running back off the board, which you know sounds fairly late and worth the value, but then Justin Jackson is going as the 114th running back off the board with guys like Darwin Thompson and Alexander Madison. Give me Justin Jackson all day, as I do think if Melvin Gordon sits, which seems fairly likely at this point, you can get the value for Justin Jackson, a guy who's possibly going to outproduce Austin Eckler in that offense. He looked amazing in that game, and I'm excited to see what he does in Week 3. The last game on the weekend docket was with the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks late on Sunday night. So, not much for the Vikings side of things. I did like the fact that we saw a lot of the starters out there. Kirk Cousins had a couple good throws to Adam Thielen, who has just really been kind of balling out this preseason. He's made a lot of really good catches. The player I wanted to touch on is on the Seattle Seahawks side. And interestingly enough, he is Dennis's boy, Rashad Penny. Now... Dennis is also a big believer and has always been a big believer in Chris Carson as well. Chris Carson looked much better than Rashad Penny. I know you mentioned earlier that Penny needs to stop cutting back and just needs to run run pretty much north and south and stop trying to go so much east and west. But it really seems like he is not helping himself at all. So six carries for negative two yards in this game. Chris Carson, five carries for 25 yards. And then in the receiving game, just one catch for three yards. Rashad Penny, two catches for 10. What do you think about this backfield and, and the way that it's shaped out? Um, do you think that Penny is even going to still get possibly a 50-50 split like many thought he would going into the season? And then I want, Matt, if you have your uh, if you have an opinion on this backfield battle as well, I'd love to hear it. Well, I, I think Chris Carson has essentially uh, established that you have to take that job from him. He, he's also, I think, smart enough to know that he can't take every single carry. 
So when he has the opportunity, he's out there and he's producing. Penny is a good talent, but for whatever reason, he's, you know, I, I, I don't know if he thinks his, he's just got so much more ability than everybody that he can, he can get away from them. But sometimes taking a five yard gain and, and getting tackled is better than trying to take, you know, turn a five yard gain into a 75 yard run. And, and we see that with a lot of young guys. They, they feel like they need to make every play needs to be a big play. And so hopefully uh, Pete Carroll is able to coach that out of him. Uh, if that happens, you know, I, I think he's going to be a very productive back. And both of these guys could put up some real good numbers this year. Yeah, I think it's hard to feel incredibly confident in either of them. Uh, I guess I would prefer Carson, too, because uh, right now it just I'm with Dennis. You know, this is like the uh, the higher uh, the higher yield option of the Sophie's Choice we face in Tampa Bay with uh, Peyton Barber and uh, Ronald Jones. I mean, either of these guys could do anything and it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, I think Carson looks like a safer bet right now. I have a couple of shares of him, so I'm at least hoping that he's uh, he's good this year. Uh, as somebody who took a flyer on Penny in our uh, Riders League last year, uh, I will not be doing that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. Yeah, Penny did start off the year slow last year, but did really kind of come on at the end of the season. So I'm, I'm interested to see if he can possibly turn it up and show up a little bit more here in these next two preseason games, assuming they play in preseason game four. Uh, but definitely did not look good in yesterday's game. So that's all the games that we have seen so far. Before we get into previewing the Monday night football game, which again is between the San Francisco 49ers and Mr. Matthew Fox's Denver Broncos, Matt. You are a writer and editor for the FLA blog, and you have been doing a bunch of team previews. So I kind of want to get your – talk about the preview series you guys have been doing over there with the FLA blog, and then I want to hear your five most interesting teams going into 2019 and why they are your, your inter, most interesting teams. Yeah, we've done this the last uh, couple of years. We do uh, previews. We do one a day uh, and goes over the course of actually about 35 days because we have an intro. Um, we start on July 29th. Uh, we've made it through. Uh, we start with the Super Bowl champion and we go through each division uh, and then the corresponding division in the other conference. So obviously the Patriots won. We started with AFC East. We do those four in order of finish and then move to the NFC East and then start with the North, uh, you know, alternating AFC and NFC. So today we actually started the NFC South with the Saints. Uh, and that's where I'm going to start with my, my five teams that I'm most interested in. Uh, Saints, you know, we, Back in the day, you, you always used to talk about the Super Bowl hangover for the team that didn't win and how would that impact them going into the next season. It would be hard to find a more brutal end to a promising season than what New Orleans had with the pass interference that wasn't. And they're obviously an incredibly talented team that comes back this year with a lot of that core intact. And they were a trendy Super Bowl pick last year. They'll probably be a trendy Super Bowl pick uh, for some people this year. I'm just curious how much that's going to take out of them, you know, coming back. It can be hard mentally uh, coming back off of a season where you were so close and got 
crushed, especially when you lose in brutal or heartbreaking fashion, which they did. And then seeing the team that beat them go and fundamentally not show up in the most boring Super Bowl in the history of time uh, could not have done any wonders. I mean, we're talking about a city where they boycotted the Super Bowl. So kind of curious to see how that impacts them coming out. The second team I would go to is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, That's a team that I really liked coming in to this season. I think that they would be a potential team that I could see making it to the Super Bowl, but they have this huge question now uh, with Andrew Luck hanging over them again. And, you know, if he comes out on week one and and plays the whole way through, I loved what we saw with him and Frank Reich uh, last year. And, you know, they went out and got Devin Funches and they added Paris Campbell. So they're trying to build some receiving weapons. They have two great tight ends. They still have T.Y. Hilton. They've worked on building their line, their defense. I felt like they were a really great sleeper team, but I don't know if I have the same kind of confidence if you're looking at Jacoby Brissett, you know, for fantasy, I might put Jacoby out there, but I don't know uh, if I would feel like they're a real Super Bowl contender. That's That would be kind of a blow. Um, I know, Matt, you're really going to appreciate my third pick team on this list, which yes, is the, I Cleveland, am. the Cleveland Browns. You know, uh, I was fortunate enough to write the preview for that team uh, for our preview series. Um really excited to actually see what they do and to see how they can uh, follow up on last year. Uh, One of my best friends here at work, uh, Elizabeth, they're they're her favorite team, and I have not seen somebody so excited about a football season as she has been uh, this whole offseason. I'm sure you understand what that's like. Um, You know, they're not a team that's going to sneak up on anybody this year because of the way they finished last year and because of the off season they had, but really excited to kind of see what they look like and um, bring some energy and some excitement, especially to a city that hasn't had that in a while. Um, the fourth team on this list, uh, our hated division rivals, the Oakland Raiders. I'm a huge hard knocks guy. Um, I love all these uh, NFL docuseries. I watch all or nothing every year, but I love when hard knocks come on and it's hard not to get kind of caught up in the team, swept up in the team and, and follow it through the season. That was one of the reasons I, you know, I was following Cleveland last year after they were on hard knocks, but Oakland has been such a train wreck uh, this off season. They've had such highs and lows. I'm just curious to see how it all comes together. Uh, even though I really will never be able to root for Oakland as a uh, diehard Broncos fan. Uh, I have always loved John Gruden, and I'm curious to see if he can actually get something done. Last year, I thought we would see something a little bit more than what we got, so uh, I'm curious you know, if they can get Antonio Brown back. I think that's been one of the most intriguing teams the last couple of years with the players they've shipped out, with the players they've tried to bring in, uh, with some of the off-the-wall draft picks they made. And then uh, my final team will be my homer pick, uh, the Denver Broncos. I am one of those people that believe our previous coach, who shall not be named, much like Voldemort, uh, (laughs) probably cost us a couple wins a season. Denver Broncos games have been incredibly tough to watch. I'm very excited about Fangio, having seen uh, what he did with that Chicago Bears defense and Khalil Mack. Uh, He's got Bradley Chubb. He's got Von Miller. Um, We have a really interesting secondary, so the defense has been good for a couple of years, could even go to a next level. Uh, It is really hard for me to jump on the Joe Flacco train. Um, You know, it's taking everything in me to remain positive about that, but Denver has so many 
potentially good young weapons. You know, we drafted Noah Fant. We have Sutton and Hamilton. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders actually is so far ahead of schedule that he's making his debut tonight um, on on preseason week two after blowing his Achilles tendon on December 5th. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, I feel like our offensive line is going to get better with Munchak. I just, it would be nice uh, to have a decent season, at, at least have a team that was fun to watch, because if you ask most Broncos fans, the last two seasons have been anything but fun on Sundays. Yeah, so that's my uh, five right there. Very You're nice. not a big fan of Vance DeMart, huh? <laughs> you know what? Vance Joseph is probably the the coach that's least equipped for his job that I've ever seen. Um, I'm sure Arizona Cardinal fans have some regrets after they watched a Antonio Brownless Oakland Raiders offense destroy their first team defense in a preseason game on Thursday night. Um, all I can say is prayers up. That's going to be your your season. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh... Possibly the most underrated signing of the entire offseason was Mike Munchak to that team. I think possibly the best offensive line coach in the game right now. So going over to a team that definitely needs to improve their offensive line. If he can turn them around and get them anything close to what he had done in, say, Pittsburgh, that that it's going to be very interesting to see what that offensive line can do, especially with the two running backs they have there, which transition just perfectly into the Monday night football game. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm gonna hit you. Y'all not gonna be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. I want to score. Yeah. You don't want to talk so much. It's time to do now. Not just a good old fashioned rear end whipping. Get a house, baby. I'm in a league of my own. They ain't messing with me. Are you tired? Are you tired? Let's go. So the San Francisco 49ers are in Denver playing the Denver Broncos. Kickoff should be starting here in just about 20 minutes. Kind of want to get your take, obviously, on the Broncos. I want to start with the 49ers, though, as they are the visiting team. Would love to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do. Obviously, a lot of talk about him throwing five interceptions in practice last week. We're talking about practice. Go full Allen Iverson here. Doesn't matter to me whatsoever that he did that in, in practice. Good for him. Interested to see if he plays much tonight, if at all, and what he does Outside of him, though, not much going on for for the for the 49ers, Really, we know George Kittle is going to ball out. Would love to see how this wide receiver tree shakes out. Tree, the wide receiver group shakes out, especially with Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin. Got a lot of very good wide receivers there. Who gets the one, two, and three jobs? And then obviously we know Jarek McKinnon is likely going to start the season on IR, so that gives you Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida at the running back position for the Broncos, though. We obviously know, as you were just touching on, Joe Flacco looks to be and is going to be the starter, at least to start the season. A lot of good weapons on the outside, as you mentioned, in Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton. Also like Tim Patrick a little bit as well. Had a fairly good season toward the end of the year last year. The question I want to ask you really start off with is those running backs. So a lot of people, obviously myself included, big on Philip Lindsay, think he is a phenomenal running back. There has been a lot of talk about his size and possible injury history, holding up as the full three down back there. Royce Freeman has looked fairly good, or looked really good in the game last week. Did look good in the preseason, though, last year as well. So how do you think that this running back battle shakes out in Denver? Well, I don't think that uh, I would think 
think of Lindsay as being the full three down back. I think it's going to be a committee no matter what. A lot of Royce Freeman last week, if you actually watched the game, was he had one uh, 50-yard run. I'm pretty sure I could have gotten at least 40 yards on that <laughs> there line, and particularly Andy Janovich uh, just decimated uh, the Seattle defenders. A big, so Denver has suffered quite a few injuries a couple of huge injuries you know they went out and made the splashy signing of theo riddick which i thought meant Devonte booker was was likely gone riddick broke his shoulder uh thank you kevin hogan will miss six to eight weeks probably they think is going to start on the pup list uh, so I think that helps Devontae Booker. But the bigger loss for someone, if you're, if you're a Royce Freeman fan, was Janovich, who has a partially torn pec, who is also going to be on six to eight weeks. There is no running back I've seen in the last few years that makes a bigger difference running with a fullback than Royce Freeman. Philip Lindsay can create. He looked uh, pretty good in the downs that he was in. He had a couple of plays called back because of uh, penalties. I am curious. Um, it doesn't look like Denver's going to have any kind of other fullback. They've talked about running more two tight end, but that's been a wasteland for them too. They have so many injuries. I think we only have two or two and a half healthy tight ends to play right now. Anyway, I think that's going to have an impact on Freeman. Freeman though, I would still think does early down work, uh, gets more of the uh, heavy formation goal line work. And then Philip Lindsay is going to, you know, be out there running, especially in the middle of the field, more passing down situations. And I think we're still going to end up seeing Booker now. He is a better pass blocker than either of the other two. Um, he's a somewhat decent receiver. You know, that's damning with faint praise. But that's, I think, where we're at with the the running backs for Denver. Um, I think Lindsey and Freeman are locks. I'm curious to see if they end up keeping uh, or if they can get some kind of flash from Falafni Muhammad. Um, he looked good in the Hall of Fame game, and no one looked good last week. So be curious. I actually think um, when they announced that Emmanuel was playing tonight, the fact that we are home mm-hmm. and our game is on Saturday, I think there's a chance that our starters play quite a bit tonight. This is Denver's third preseason game because of the Hall right. of Fame game. Mm-hmm. And with the schedule they have coming up, I don't think they would have activated Sanders to have him play one series. I think they may play uh, quite a stretch tonight and not as much in the traditional third preseason game. Very interesting. We'll have to definitely watch out for that. Real quick before we get out of here so we can all watch this game, your thoughts on Drew Locke? Because I do – I was someone who liked him coming out of college. Now, he hasn't looked great, but I think a lot of that comes from him moving into a different style of offense than he ever had to run in college. But I have not gotten a chance to watch all of the games like I imagine you have. So I wanted to get your thoughts really on Locke moving forward as possibly the future franchise QB in Denver. Well, I think Joe Flacco's job is safe for all of this season, for sure, from what I've seen. The biggest disappointment for me is – I've talked before, those roster spots are uh, precious. And Denver is a team that if they can only keep two, would love to only have to keep two. But from what I've seen of Drew Locke, he's obviously not going to get cut. But I wouldn't feel comfortable only carrying two based on what I've seen. Um, you know, he, he had some okay moments, I guess, in the second game. He looked disastrous in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. Um, and it was really tough last week to watch him uh, moderately suck while Paxton Lynch was just jamming the ball down our throat. 
Um, that was probably one of the more depressing football experiences I've ever had in the preseason. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of people talking about that. A lot of Denver Broncos fans on Twitter talking about how good Paxton Lynch looks. Well, guys, before we cut out of here, obviously, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I am excited to continue doing this throughout the season. You will be back with us again on Thursday as we start ramping up for the season and, and kicking off what will be our, our weekly schedule, uh, having you on with us Monday and Thursday. Before we get out of here, though, let all of our listeners know again where they can find you on Twitter and what you have coming up for the FLA blog. Yeah, I'm at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. I actually published the Saints preview today, and I personally did the Falcons preview, which runs tomorrow. Um, previewed the Chiefs and the Broncos, which are coming up. Uh, and you can find me every Thursday with the Fantasy Movie League preview. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to jumping on that movie league preview. Something I've been wanting to get into for a couple years but haven't. I might actually do that now this year uh, if I'm able to learn some some kind of key things for the fantasy movie league from you on Thursdays. Dennis, obviously before we cut out of here again, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything in the in the works for the Dynasty Nerds. Well, I, uh, you know, at culture underscore coach, I want to say congratulations to our winners. Uh, please, please, please. Uh, contact us, you know, send us a DM, uh, Dub Diesel, John Hesterman, Perry Robertson, Danny Lopp, and Tim Torch. Uh, reach out to us. Let's get your information, and we'll get the, that stuff sent out to you. Uh, Dynasty Nerds is rolling along great. Love the editing job there. And um, looking forward to rolling out new tools as they become available. we got the mock draft tool coming up any day now. At least that's what Rich says every time uh, on the Dynasty Nerds episode. Uh, it's been coming in two weeks for about three months, but you know, if it's any indi- if 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 the ranking system and the buy sell tool are any indication that mock draft tool is going to be well worth the wait. Yeah, I mean he, he'll be right eventually that it's coming in two weeks. So we just got to figure out when eventually he's going to be right. That's all. So, yeah, that, that's great. And then we've got Matt and I, we're going to be out at the Fantasy Football World Championships uh, September 5th through the 8th at Las Vegas at the Palms Hotel. Yes, in the area, sir. swing by to say hi. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I talked about it a little bit in the in the intro there, but, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. Just It's going to be hopefully an awesome experience. I know it seems like uh, – Jim Day and Scott Atkins, who are really kind of the heads of our of our full time fantasy network that we are glad to be a part of, uh, want us to possibly broadcast some of the drafts while we're recording. So we might be focusing on that, and then obviously me and Dennis will both participate in a fantasy football world championship as well. And we'll definitely give you recaps of that either why we'll why we're there or when we come back at some point in time that week. Maybe on like a maybe we'll do a Wednesday episode that we can kind of give you guys a full uh, full spectrum of everything we saw and how everything went because definitely going to be a good time but guys both of you thank you so much for joining me tonight i can't wait to talk to you guys again on thursday and enjoy the preseason game between the 49ers and the broncos tonight awesome have a great night right on prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready i came out the wrong line ready and he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 49ers.